You're listening to The Right to Be Catholic with Sean A.R. Brought to you by the Eastern Catholic Re-Evangelization Center. Welcome everybody to the Right to Be Catholic podcast where we tackle everyday issues that we as Catholics face in our modern world today. I'm your host, Catholic speaker and advocate, Sean A.R. So, did you ever wonder what a certain religious symbol was that you either saw in church or saw elsewhere, or why we do certain things and why we don't do certain things in our faith? Well, today's show is going to focus on some of those symbols of our faith, their meanings, and some of the Eastern Rite Catholic uh, differences and historical facts that we have. Um, my quote today comes from St. Thomas Aquinas, which was known as the doctor of the church. And he lived around about 1200. And the quote goes, grant me, O Lord, my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, uh, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance waiting for you and waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Amen. I thought that was really cool, especially because we're going to be talking about, um, you know, knowing more about our faith and the differences we have. So I thought it'd be cool to put together something from a um, the doctor of our church. We talked about wisdom a lot. He actually did a lot of quotes about that. So, so talking today about our topic, I thought it was really cool because the other day, my brothers and I were actually sitting, having a drink, and a lot of these... Um, Topics came up about differences we have in our Eastern Rite faith and why we, you know, growing up, we, we saw all these things and we just took them as, okay, it is what it is because we were Catholic. We were told that's a, that's a Catholic symbol. It just means something, you know, in our faith. So we're, my brothers and I were talking about this. So I thought it was really cool to actually get a podcast about this because I know maybe a lot of our listeners right now are thinking the same thing, thinking, yeah, growing up, I saw that symbol. I see that symbol all the time in church, and I don't know. I don't have no idea what it means. So uh, my guests today are my two brothers, because the other day I was sitting with my two brothers, um, and they're, they're on the show today. My one brother, Calvin. Calvin, thank you for coming on the show. Sean, thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, and my youngest brother, Malvin. Mal, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Sean. Cal, tell me a little bit about yourself, even though I know everything, but for our listeners. Well, you know, I'm, like the cool, I'm the coolest brother that you guys have. Right, hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> Besides that, uh, I got married um, a couple of years ago, and um, I have a daughter. Um, I and have one on the way. Uh, yeah, and I have a son on the way, actually, and it's it's been great. Nice, nice. Well, uh, I'm Sean's youngest brother. Um, I'm not married, but I do have a son. Uh, his name is Bane. He's a 115 pound uh, American bulldog. Nice, and uh, yeah. So you're single as it comes, right? Happy. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, um, you know, a little bit about my brothers and I. So, but before I do that, what I thought would be cool on this podcast was the other day we were actually having a drink when we actually talked about this stuff. So I actually poured each one of us a drink uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about our drink choices right now. So <clears throat> the drink that I actually chose, because I, I like drinking cognac. I like drinking Remy BSOP um, and I mix it with Coke. So that, that, that's my drink of choice. By the way, do you know where... BSOP comes from. You know what it stands for? Yeah, I know. I know what it stands for. You? Yeah. It stands for very special, important person. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it stands for that. It's close, but it's not that. It's actually very special old pale. Oh, I never knew that, actually. I thought it was very important. Oh, yeah, was yeah, but Gavin's version is pretty good, too. <laughs> uh, so, 
my drink is uh, cognac and coke. Cal, what do you what do you prefer drinking? Well, I have my friend Johnny Kanaya actually been uh, putting me up on like bourbons, so I've been trying all different kinds of bourbons lately. Today, um, I got Jefferson's Reserve. Uh, it's so I got the from what I got from him, it's hit or miss. Sometimes they're really good, sometimes it's bad. Today is actually not bad at all. Nice. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. I like tequila, cognac, scotch. Um, I, I love to jump around, but today um, I'm drinking some Jamo. Some Jameson is uh, kind of like my go-to. I love it. Uh, it's always easy easy for me to drink that. Nice. Guys, cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers guys. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus. Uh-huh. So a little bit about my brothers and I, because um, you might hear it throughout the show, because we do this all the time. We talk in movie lines. We love movies. Um, I think we watch the same movies maybe – over a thousand times, anything like say that. about a million, million, right? Like uh, I don't know, coming to America. Yeah, all the Sylvester Stallone movies, Rockies, right? Yep, yep. All Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme, my man. All of his movies, even Arnold. yeah, even his commercial Testitos. Yeah, the Testitos, <laughs> Testitos commercial. Right? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, so I, I I remember when I first met my wife, uh, she was like, "Why are you guys talking in movie lines?" She thought it was so odd, but I, I thought she was odd because I was like, "What are you talking about? This is how we communicate with each other." So we, we do that all the time. So you, if you hear that throughout the podcast, you know, if you understand them, if you know the movie, you'll understand. If you don't, you probably think we're uh, crazy. Uh, a little bit more about ourselves. Uh, we, uh, we went to Catholic schools growing up. Um, so we went to Our Lady of Martyrs, which is a great school. It's in Beverly Hills, Michigan. And for high school, we went to Brother Rice High School. And I, I, I want to say that, you know, growing up, between the three of us, we're on different spectrums of the Catholic faith, uh, you know, I'm more religious, and they're as not not as religious as I am. And you know what? I think on the Catholic scale, if you had to put a chart to make it more clarified, I think like you'd be where like St. Francis of Assisi, Calvin would probably be like Howard Stern, and I fall probably somewhere in between those two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. probably the best. No, cool. I don't like Howard Stern that much, but I guess <laughs> I uh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> right, right. No, that's pretty cool. Um, so the other day we were sitting down, and, and a lot of these topics came up. And, um, you know, we went back and forth on what they meant. And I had to look some of them up because, to be honest with you, I myself, you know, and being involved in church all the time, I didn't know what they meant. I knew that there was something there where they were Catholic. Yeah. Uh, so one of the questions that I had for you is sometimes, uh, you know, I would always notice the symbols uh, X and P. It would be on the priest's garment or I would see it somewhere in church. And... Um, and the uh, the IHS, and I wanted to see if, you know, I've seen them, but I just never knew what they meant. Right. No, no, that's actually a good question. I remember going over this one. Uh, now, there's actually a really cool story, and I, I just learned this recently, what the X and the P actually stand for. I knew they were Greek, but um, the X and the P are actually the first two letters of the Greek word Christos, which is actually stands for Christ, right? And um, the X and the P are the first, like I said, the first two letters. And it actually comes from um, back in the days, around 312 AD, the emperor um, Constantine, which actually was, you know, if you, if you know your history, uh, the emperor who actually instituted Catholicism as the religion for Rome, because back in the days it was forbidden to, you know, worship Jesus Christ during that time. And in a vision he had um, before an actual very famous battle, the, the, the words, you know, said, in, in this sign, you shall conquer. So what he did was he actually took the X and the P and put them together, and it looked like a cross. 
and they actually put it on all the shields of all his soldiers. And in that battle, they won. Just, I think it was pretty awesome. Wow, that is that pretty is awesome. Amazing. And the so the IHS is actually uh, similar to what I just said about the X and the P. It's the first three letters in the word Jesus in Greek, right? And it's just it's just an abbreviation of that of that actual uh, thing. And so it, you know the I becomes the J so for Jesus, and then the H is the I think. And correct me because I'm not 100 percent on my Greek, but it says like the etu, and then. The, the E is the sigma, so the IHS, right? So that's where, that's where the IHS comes from, for just abbreviation of the word Jesus in Greek. I got you. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So something I, 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 want, I, I actually brought up the other day when I was talking to my brothers was, um, you know, we've seen them on the back of a lot of people's bumpers. It's the, um, you know, the fish symbol, like the Jesus fish symbol. Have you guys ever wondered what that meant? Yeah, I have seen that actually. Yeah, I've seen now that you mentioned it. Yeah. You ever, you ever wonder what, what that meant? Um, yeah, possibly um, the fact that Jesus was a fisher of men. This it's it's close, but not that that isn't the, the the reason. Actually, the, the, we use the fish as that. But Jesus was a fisher of men. That's actually one of the most famous lines that he told Saint Peter when he first met him. He said, "I'll make you a fisher of men." Oh, so it is good. It's close, right? You did a good job, but right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, the actual word um, fish comes from the Greek word, which, which means um, ictus, right? If I'm saying it correct, correctly. And it's actually, if you take the, each letter of that word in Greek, right? It's, it's actually, it's an acronym for a phrase that w- was used. And if you take the first letter of each one of those words in Greek, the, the I is for Jesus. Uh, and then the other ones, you know, Christ. God, son of, and then savior. So it goes like, so the, the first word, and like, if you want to spell out fish, if I'm trying to describe it to you guys, cause we can't draw it out. Um, the first letter for the J for Jesus is Jesus. Right. And then that actually wasn't, you know, uh, the Greek I, and then the Christos meaning Christ. And I want to say that God is Theos and then son of is Weus. And again, my, my Greek could be wrong, uh, but sound, that's what it sounded like. And then the uh, Savior is Soter. So it loosely translates to Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior. And uh, so what was really cool about this is because when they, would, when they would use this symbol, they would use it to like show where they're going to meet that night because it was supposed to be done in secret because their lives were at da- in, in yeah, danger during this time. They couldn't uh, worship. worship. Yeah, right. Ultimate. Exactly, because they would, they would be killed, and many of them were actually killed. So they would use this symbol to, to like symbolize, like, hey, this, this is where we're going to worship tonight. And the soldiers or anybody, that they wouldn't actually know what that meant. They're like, oh, look, it's just a, it's a symbol of a fish, or even the word spelled out in Greek, fish. Like, okay, big deal, it's fish, right? And then what they would do is, like, sometimes they would write it in the sand, like a symbol. And when they, when they knew they were all there, they would wipe it so that anybody coming in afterwards wouldn't know the actual difference of that. But, you know, it made me think the other day when we were talking about this, you know, nowadays we have, um, like ourselves, we can go to mass whenever we want. During this pandemic, you know, some people were scared to go to mass. And I'm, I'm not saying I didn't do this. I, I did do this. You know, we we're worried about something as simple as that. Um, and what I thought was like, hey, these people risk their lives to do this. Would, sure. we, would, we, do, would we risk our lives to do that? Would I'd like to say that I would. Right. I don't know. It's nice to say that we would, but yeah. it's that's something that's very difficult. Uh, I get. You know. I think 
the faith they had before was so strong that they put their lives at risk just to to uh, to worship. Yeah, things have just been too easy for us. You know, if we want to go to mass, we could go just about every day. It's seven days a week if you want to go to mass. Yeah, but do at your convenience. But do all of us do that, right? But in, my point is, you know, we have the freedom to do so, and it's there for us if we wanted it to. Right. And uh, you know what's crazy is like we have this freedom and. We're in our lives we are not take advantage, and we don't take advantage of. Oh, we don't appreciate it. Well, yeah. I go to church every day. Nice. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I know. I was going to say, how are you going to lie on the Catholic podcast? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we're Christians, man. Right. Yeah. You can't lie. Yeah. Right. You can't lie on this podcast. Okay, I don't. <laughs> but, but seriously, we should, we should try to you know go as much as we can, and like you know, it, it really is crazy to me because they risk their lives to do this, and. We take it for granted all the time. Sure. It's yeah. something that really kind of weighs heavy on my heart. Yeah. That we should be going to mass more often. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, on the topic of mass, you guys mentioned that. So, um, which I read something the other day, which, which kind of uh, caught my attention. It was, uh, it was a little unusual, actually. Um, it, they had wrote that uh, 70% of Catholics that go to mass uh, that take the Eucharist actually don't believe that the Eucharist is the actual body and blood of Christ, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, you know, growing up as a Catholic, going to Catholic school, obviously we learned a lot about that, but just to, to hear that large of a number of people not believe that kind of struck me as odd or uh, maybe, un, you know, unusual. So I, I actually know the statistic. I've read it before. It's yes, you're right. Like 70, 80% of people who actually are Catholic, not even just Christians, Catholic. Yeah. That's a big number. Right. They don't believe it. They believe it to be like a symbol or a representation of, you know, Jesus Christ. But in actuality, the truth is, which it says only like 20, 30 percent believe that it actually is. And they're sitting at mass and they're receiving the Eucharist when they go. And they, don't even, they just think, it's, oh, it's a representation, which is, I think is very, very sad because, you know, Jesus Christ <laughs> came down on earth and sacrificed himself. And during the Last Supper, he said, this is my body. This is my blood, you know. And it will be given up for you. And then, until this day, after all that, everything that people have been taught in the Catholic faith, they still, still don't believe it. And, and they and they still say, um, you know, uh, they still say that, what's it called? That I don't believe in, in this. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I like to do a lot of research. And uh, one time I read that the uh, there was a priest, um, I think it was around the year 600, um, he was saying mass and the Eucharist actually bled. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard of miracles like that before, like where the actual becomes like a piece of flesh or the blood. The, the sure, it became yeah. a piece of flesh. Yeah, I've right. I've heard that before and they got it tested and it was like like a unique blood type. Well, it was AB. It was a man of Middle Eastern descent and it came from the left ventricle of the heart. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know all those details. And it actually happened again in, I think, the year 1600. Same concept. Yeah. And... All the everything about what happened to that Eucharist was exactly the same thing with the other Eucharist. You know, it's crazy. You're saying this, and I love miracles like that, but I don't think that like it's crazy that we don't have to need miracles. We don't need like, that, right? Sure, but Let's, like, look, Saint Thomas, which is our patron's uh, patron saint of, of a Chaldean rite. Uh, you know, he was doubting Thomas, and he's like, "If I don't see it, if I don't, you know, put my fingers in your side and do this, do this, I don't believe you." And then Jesus said, you know, Thomas, blessed are you who have seen and blessed are those who have not seen. Sure. Right. I don't think I, I quote that hundred percent, but you know, you've seen me and you, and you still doubt. Sure. Blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. Absolutely. Still believe. 
Yeah. Right. So, I mean, for our listeners who doubt the Eucharist is the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's just the truth. And you know, what's crazy to me is um, that that power that Jesus Christ had back then, which is really cool. Do you guys know this? Maybe you guys do, but for our listeners who don't know this, that like Jesus Christ put his hands on his apostles, right? And he, and he gave them the power to forgive sins and to, and to turn the bread and the wine into the body and blood, right? And then they put their hands and gave the power to their disciples and then so forth and so forth and so forth, all the way down to our priests today, to our bishops, and then our bishops put it on our priests, right? That's actually that awesome. Cool? Yeah. And, that, and that only happens in the Catholic faith, which I think is so awesome because it's a direct power, direct line from Jesus Christ to us now. I think it's pretty cool. That, that is. is cool. So not Christianity, just Catholicism? This is just straight Catholicism. Yeah. This. Yeah. So, Sean, another uh, question that I had was, so you mentioned earlier, we grew up going to Catholic schools and we, you know, we went to the mass and everything. And um, when we were younger, we used to go to mass and they used to do, we used to have Ash Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and through, you know, in school we did it, uh, you know, at the church there at the Queen of Martyrs Church yeah. and at the St. Regis, yeah, St. Regis Church. But when, you know, as Chaldeans, we do not, we don't do that at our our church. That's true. So I was wondering, what's the why? Why do they do it and we don't do the cross, the ashes on our forehead? So that it's not like that one one right, like the Latin right or the East right is right or wrong. It just we take different approaches at you know at it. So during Lent, the Latin right takes more of a like a sorrowful approach to it. So the ashes on their head is like a visible representation that like you know I'm suffering with Jesus Christ. That's why we, that's why they do the ashes on their forehead, and I, I've got I've, I've gotten them many times. But in actuality, our, our Eastern Rite faith doesn't do that, and the reason why they don't do that is because they take a different approach during Lent. So during Lent, for us as Eastern Rite Catholics, as, Cal, as in the Chaldean Rite, we take what is known as like a like a joyful approach to Lent. And the reason why I'm saying joyful is because we look forward to the transformation of what's going to happen, which is. Jesus Christ rising from the rise, yes. right? And not only do we do that, it's the transformation that happens inside of us during Lent, because it should be like a joyous thing. It's transforming us to become better people. And that's why we, as Chaldean Catholics, uh, do not put the ashes on our forehead during Lent. So uh, now that I think about it, actually, you know what? All those years that we did that, yeah, I, we, we, I never did it at our Chaldean Catholic Church. Yeah, never. never not uh, once. And Mother of God, September. Yeah, I've done it every Yeah. Never. I've gotten ashes a million times in. Yeah, that's weird. Not, not a million. A, yeah, know. but not a, not in the Chaldean church. I'm not a million years old. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, a million times. <laughs> yeah. A million years. <laughs> right. Um, so, okay, guys, how about this? Another difference between uh, the Latin rite and the Eastern rite that we have, I thought it was pretty cool. And when I learned the actual uh, reasoning behind it, I thought it was even cooler. Uh, so, you Calvin and Melvin, both of you guys have had uh, your first Holy Communion, obviously. And then Calvin, you you're obviously you've been married. And sure. do you remember the that thing you wore on on the on your left arm and looked like a yeah, ribbon? The Klila. The Klila, exactly. Yeah. So it's like so for those uh, uh, listeners who don't understand Chaldean, it's it's like, a, it's like a ribbon type thing, and we wear it around our, our left arm. In Chaldean, the word means Klila, which actually means crown. Do you guys ever know why we actually wear this? I don't know. 
Dynamite drop in Melvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our broadcast school really paid off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, so the cool the, the cool meaning behind that actually, uh, so I, like I said, the word Klila means crown. And so we as Chaldean Catholics believe that because we're part of the royal family in heaven, that we um, tap into that sacrament during either First Holy Communion or during marriage and we get crowned because we are part of that holy royal family. And that kalila that we wear is like our symbol saying that we are crowned and we're part of Jesus's royal family in heaven. Wow. That was pretty damn cool. Yeah, that is cool. I just didn't, you know, I, I wore it because they told me to wear it. Right. And me too. But then when I found out the meaning behind it, I thought it was even better. And, and now like when I probably would have been a lot better if I knew it before I got married. Right. Like, Hey, why am I wearing this? Right. Right. It's a big bow tie on your arm. It looks like a white bow tie. Right. And then I had mine. I had like specially made, it had like gold cross on it and some, like some other things that look religious on it. Oh, but right. in actuality it was, it meant crap. Yeah. yeah that was pretty cool. cool. That is amazing. I, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the wedding. When, when they put the crowns, crowns and on our forehead, yeah. you know, I thought about when they were putting the crowns. I thought like, you know, of coming to America when the King and his, and his bride, what was her name? Lisa. And yeah. they, had, they had the cross Lisa, sure. Yeah, Lisa from, from to America. I was actually like, these guys messing up my hair, man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You didn't worry about your hair, right? <laughs> I know I had so much spray in my hair during that day, it wasn't going to move. Spray? What are we, 1980s? <laughs> what do you mean? I had, you don't put hairspray in your hair? No, I do not. What do you put? Product. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, product. Product. Okay, I use product. <laughs> part of that product is hairspray. <laughs> All right, well, talking about wedding, Sean, you know, I had to wear that clila on my arm when I was Calvin's best man. Not that I was the best man. Because I was the best man, right? Sure, but I was chosen for Calvin as the best man. I wore that on my arm. Um, you know what's a little weird to me, dude, is that, you know, not like a religious thing, but maybe like a Chaldean thing, that our weddings are like not big, they're humongous. You know, and obviously we've been to other weddings from other cultures and, you know, they, they, they tend to be a, a little smaller. So it's just... Uh, just a little shocking to me that as Chaldeans, not as Catholics, just our weddings are 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 huge, right? Right. Yeah. So, listen. So I I think me personally, this is this is how I feel. Calvin, you can jump in whenever. Like I I how many times did you have at your wedding? I think it was like five hundred, five something. I think I don't remember. Exactly. I think I had like six oh seven, six twelve, something around. What there. are you like better than me? A hundred percent. I'm way better than you. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest. So I was more popular, right? Uh-huh. Everyone came to my wedding. And by the time you're the second child, mm-hmm. they're like, ah, we already went to the first guy's wedding. It was you know, probably around two hundred. Right now, we're going to be about like three fifteen something. <laughs> yeah. No, but so me personally, this this is how I feel about this. Um, like if talking about our grandparents, I think even our parents, they had like a three day wedding back home because they had one back home and one over here, our parents. And I, I remember my grandpa telling me that when, when he got married to my grandma, they had a wedding for three days and there were no invitations. The whole village. Yeah. Showed up. Yeah. Showed up with their wedding. Like, Oh, you guys got married. Okay. And they just dancing. The yeah. Dancing, doing like that. We call it, um, the flute and, yeah, the, yeah. and the big drum. Right. And people are just running around celebrating for three days. Right. Which I thought was really cool, and I think that we as Chaldeans are just a uh, like a a joyous people. Not, I'm not saying other cultures are not, but we're a, a celebratory people, and I think that culture or that tradition carried on even here in America. Because you know, I remember my father telling me back back in the days, like in the 1950s and 60s, when you had a wedding, you invited everyone because. That's the only Khalids that were here in America. So we just invited everybody. And I think that just stuck and people just invited a whole bunch of people. It was like 60s, 70s. Right, yeah. Black party. 
for everybody. No, yeah, you don't even send out invitations back then. Yeah, like everybody, people just knew that you were having a wedding, and everybody showed up. Like there was no, it was first come, first serve. Like you sit at this table. Now we have assigned seating, and yeah, this cousin got mad because he sat on this table. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember during that time, that was like the best and worst time because arranging who sits where and I arranged, flowers. I arranged nothing. I said, "Mom, Dad." You guys tell me where people are going to sit because I'm not sure if cousin so-and-so is supposed to sit behind this cousin and are they even getting along at this time or <laughs> right. No. How about, um, how about when I was planning my wedding and stuff like that, you know, worrying about the food and you know, like the flowers and all that. And I, to me, that, that that's awesome. But I, I think we, we stress too much of the actual wedding day and not the marriage itself. A lot of people, but, that was a previous podcast I just had about marriage. Don't get me wrong. Our weddings are awesome and they're grand occasions. And that's pretty cool. But I just think that um, we focus a lot on the actual. I feel like day. the women focus a lot on the, the day. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. You know, and we do it for them. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if I had a rose or a tulip, I, you know, I didn't care. <laughs> it didn't really matter to me. <laughs> right. No, that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, I think personally that, you know, we as uh, Chaldeans, we have awesome parties. And again, like I said, it's because we're like uh, celebratory people. And that's what, that's why we do what we do. So speaking of the differences between Chaldeans and, um, you know, the Latin, right? The, yeah, the Latin, right? Um, one of the differences that I noticed was when we were younger and we went to uh, Our Lady of Queen of Martyrs, we had our... Um, we had our communion at second grade and our confirmation at in eighth grade. Right. But yeah. um, when we had our confirmation in eighth grade, the bishop just, you know, he blessed me and a couple other Chaldeans that were there that in my class. And they said we had already taken our confirmation during baptism. And I just was wondering, um, you know, why as Chaldeans we, we do that. Right. I remember that. So I remember, uh, I remember when, when I was in eighth grade and I went up there. And then the the bishop at the time, he just he said, hey, we have a few of our brothers from the Eastern Rite Church, and they've already taken their confirmation, and he just gave us a hug and a blessing, and we moved on. And I was like, what's going on here? And I, I, I was in any place, so I didn't realize sure. what was going on, right? So I think that this is another thing that we as Chaldeans should be teaching, um, you know, our youth and to know, to know about the, the beauty of the differences that we have, and again, it's not nothing. No one's right or wrong. It's just there are differences that we have in our in, in our faith, in, in our rights. So actually, the Eastern Rite faith is the the way that it was originally. So back in the early church, when you were when you were when you were baptized, you were also confirmed, and you took the Eucharist, as you know, first Holy Communion, wow. all at one time. Um, the Latin rite, like down the line, like years later, they change it where they just they use it as a way to reaffirm or confirm the the youth, right? And and a lot of times people say like, oh, it's because I want to be an adult and I want to confirm my faith. But in actuality, it's not you that's confirming your faith. It's it's actually Jesus Christ that's confirming you into the actual church. So as we as Chaldean Catholics, um, we're actually doing it the original way where you know it was where they would confirm, but actually. We we took out first Holy Communion, but some church, some churches like the Assyrian Church, they still do confirmation, baptism, and Eucharist all at, all at the same time. So nice. That's the why behind that. 
that plus they have a lot of pets. Plus, lots yes. Of pets. No. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you, Greg. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Greg RN. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, it's gonna be a good show. <laughs> Damn good show, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malcolm thinks we're the um, we're the Hodge twins, and he wants to do the show like that. So no, I don't think we are. I just love them. Yeah. No, no, they're actually good guys. Okay, guys. I think it was really cool, and I, I, I thank you guys for coming on and you know asking your questions and sharing your ideas with us and our and our in our guests or in our listeners. You know, the closing thought that I have for all of our listeners is I encourage all of you who are listening to go out and seek out answers to all the questions that you guys have about your faith. You know, why do we do certain things? Why we don't do certain things? You know, what certain things mean? If this is good for you to learn more and more about your faith because we oftentimes focus so much of our time of our busy schedules to other things that sometimes are meaningless, right? They're material things or worldly things. And we don't invest our times and in, invest our time into our faith. And that's most important. And I'm telling you, I'm guilty of this too. And I'm sure both of you guys are guilty of this. Guilty, not, not me. Right? Not me. Yeah, yeah, of course, because Calvin's 100%. <laughs> um, so, you know, I urge you guys to do that. And if you took anything from this session is, uh, you know, obviously there's nothing better than sitting with family and discussing and obviously something as faithful as this. You spend time with your family? Of course I do, all the time. Because a man can never call himself a real man unless he spends time with his family. Yeah, Calvin thinks he's the godfather. Right. Thank you, so, Thank you, yeah. Thank you, Don Calvin. So like I always close with all, uh, all my podcasts, um, I'll close with this. Remember to go forth with confidence and that you have the right to be Catholic. Thank you, everybody. God bless. You have been listening to an ECRC Martoma Productions podcast. To learn more about ECRC and all of our programs, go to ecrc.us.